This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, welcome to the Besotted Podcast. And uh, this is a game that quite a few of us have been waiting for for quite a few weeks now. With Brentford playing Wigan on Saturday, we've got a bit of a special lined up here. We're uh, in the studio or across the land with the boys from Mudhutter Fancy up in Wigan. We've got the Mudhutter boys, we've got the Besotted boys, and we're going to be having a good old chinwag about all things Brentford, all things Wigan, and maybe anything else that comes to our mind. Um, on the line here, we've got Laney, Dave Laney, the Besotted Editor. got Chris March, Chris, Chris March from uh, Mudhutter. We've got Jimmy from Mudhutter as well. We've got Matt, another Besotted boy. We've got hey. Sean, the Livesey from Mudhutter. And myself, Billy the Bee. So, yeah, we're just going to just open the lines up and we're just going to start chatting about Brentford and Wigan and the big match on Saturday. So, boys, how are you doing? Back from the international break, you feeling refreshed? Yeah, very refreshed. And I don't think there's ever been, apart from the uh, Frey Rover game, I don't think there's ever been a, a Wigan Brentford clash that's been so eagerly anticipated, to be honest. It's, uh... It's, uh, it's, it's quite, there's quite a lot at stake here. There's kind of, uh, there's a few undertones. It's a little bit of recent history, but um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a cracking game, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Just wondering, boys, uh, is it as eagerly anticipated up in the northwest as it is down in London? Uh, I think dreaded is more the word. <laughs> I don't. Um, I think. Well, as you know, Mr. Osner's having a rough time without jumping ahead, and. Uh, it's it's very much a make or break game from I think we've got Millwall at home on a Tuesday night as well. So uh, yeah, after the miracles he performed last year, he's been a little bit up against it. And there's as you say, there's a lot of subplots about this game this Saturday. And uh, yeah, he's going to have to put up a good show and pick the right team and get them motivated. Whereas I think you guys don't need a lot of motivation to come here and uh, give us a game. The other thing to throw into it, Jimmy is. We're notoriously crap after international breaks. Oh, yeah. We don't have as many going away now, but it's interesting that uh, James McLean and Sean Maloney have both won man of the match twice for both their performances. 
And again, I guess it gives you an idea of where the two clubs are that we've got players like that. I'm not saying they're brilliant, but you know, they're, they're capable of playing the Premier League, and we have got players like that, and yet we, you know, we're just hovering over the relegation zone, and they probably won't play very well, if at all, for us on Saturday. And that, that's the kind of the quandary that we've got all these riches at our disposals, and uh, Mr. Rosler doesn't seem to be finding the right combination right now. I mean, that's interesting because you talk about the international break. I mean, how many players exactly did you have out on the international break? I think it was five this time, Billy, if I'm right in saying that. Uh, Ali Al-Habsi, James McLean, Sean Maloney, um, and a couple of others, but they were the main ones. Fist at Denmark, captain of Denmark. Yeah, we, William Vist as well. Yeah, he's rubbish. He must be throwing caps away out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny that because we, we get excited because we had uh, we had Alec Pritchard, who's uh, England under 21, and we were excited that he was actually going to be away. And we thought, don't, oh my word! Don't forget, I mean, Stuart Dallas would have probably been in with the Northern Ireland squad, Bill. And um, obviously, you know, we've got Will Grieg, who's uh, part of the Northern Ireland substitute bench. Um, but, I mean, you know, what 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 form, what you know, what run the Northern Ireland boys are having. So, uh, you know, it would it would be great to have um, Dallas part of that because he said you know, he was very very early season. He was he was great for us, wasn't he? It, I think though, in some respects, it's a it's not bad not having players away because. You know, it, it does mean they get a break. I think I know we all moan about how much they get paid and how much football they play, etc. But I don't think it's a bad thing for someone to get a break, and maybe that's going to work in our favour this season. Is that we're not going to have players, you know, going away and playing. I know Pritchard sat on the bench, I think, but but that could work in our favour. Mm. That that that's a big thing because when Wigan were in the Premier League and in the in the days of Roberto Martinez, even Steve Bruce, we had so many players heading back to South America that. At any one time, we had Antonio Valencia, Wilson Palacios, Maino Figura, travelling halfway around the world every international break. And like Chris alluded to earlier, we're terrible after international breaks, um, notoriously so. And that was mainly due to that immense travelling. So if you've got less players leaving the camp and they're spending a lot more time in training, hopefully that'll pay dividends. Where we are, we, we need a fillet. We need a bit of bonding time. I know it's a bit of an old cliche, but uh, a couple of the younger ones, well, like Emmy Hughes, and I think we've got a couple of under 21s. They're like Welsh, not English. We have Nichols at the moment, but uh, you know, we we will. I don't know. There's a big job on this week. Whatever he's doing in training, he's got to he's got to get them lifted for this game because I think it's the, the needle's more from your your end, and you've got a score to settle really. And uh, you know, you, I'm sure you like nothing better to get get a bit of revenge over Rosler and Forshaw, whereas. We're just not getting the rub of the green, not playing particularly well right now, and uh, hopefully that week and a half, there's some time, some thinking time, and some bonding time to just kind of start again and start our season again effectively. I mean, I'm let's talk about your let's talk about your season. I mean, we're 11 games in. You've got 10 points for the season. To put it in perspective, you're four points off Blackpool, who started with eight players. Um, in that position. And last season, apparently, at the same time, you were 12th with 14 points, but you had played more games. So, you know, basically, and you haven't won, you've only, you, you haven't won one game in the last six either. I mean, you haven't won for quite a while. I mean, I know you talk about the fact that you're worried that this game comes in, but when you put those into perspective, does it put a, strike a bit of fear into you, or do you think you might have kind of got over that cliff? I, I think, you know, I think we've perhaps... We, we 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 were a bit lighter on, even if those own coil managers were a bit lighter on him because we were enjoying trips to Bruges and 
you know, we had this Europa League campaign that was something most of us never even dreamed of. So, you know, we, we weren't particularly happy, but we thought, well, you know, we, we can tolerate being just off the pack because we're playing all these extra games. Uh, this year, you know, we did expect to be up there because we finished the, this last season like steam train. You know, we were, after Leicester and Burnley, we were by far the form team as soon as Rosler came in. And, you know, we beat Man City and we, we should have beaten Arsenal as well. And it was just amazing. And, and this year, I don't know what's happened in the summer. We have lost Always. a few of our more talented players, but it's just, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's scary, really, because we, we don't seem to, we seem to have this squad that's got an embarrassment to riches. And he doesn't seem to be able to know his best 11. And he doesn't seem to be sticking to a plan. And you know what? I, I don't want to sound negative because I really like the man. I think we all do on this call. We're all the same. We seem more like Martinez than Coyle, a manager who will build and you know develop a side and promises this German pressing football and exciting stuff. And we saw it last year. But this year, it's a bit like, yeah, we're not quite sure what it is. And we're getting overdone. I've said a few times, Jimmy, you take Gomez and MacArthur out of that midfield and we haven't really seen a, a settled replacement for either. Kvist only came in at the end of the window, you've seen as MacArthur's replacement, and Forshaw came in, obviously, and has not played much, and he's ideally seen as Gomez's replacement. But to get them clicking with each other in the, the midfield running the game properly, they've both got to play games and get to get to know each other. And they, they haven't, they've hardly played with each other. And you take a central midfield partnership of... Gomez and MacArthur out, out of most teams and most teams had struggled the season after and I think a lot of people haven't really accepted <coughs> pardon me, what a big what a big thing Gomez and MacArthur were in our midfield last season I think, I think like a lot of things it takes time and it takes time to develop partnerships the fact that, that like Chris just said these players have only played a handful of games together compared to last year where you had a midfield that had been settled for the best part of four years, uh, apart from the introdu introduction of Chris McCann. So it is worrying, but hopefully, and we, we keep saying it week by week, they're going to build these partnerships and hopefully we'll start seeing a, a side similar to what we had at the back end of last year. But I, I think unless we start picking up points soon, we're, we're really going to see a season of struggle rather than the season of success that was envisaged. It's just stop the rot, though. I mean, look at you know, the last two games, two all draw with Wolves, nil-nil draw with Forest. They're, they're, they're not bad results against you know, two of the stronger teams in this division. Do you think he's, do you think he's sort of turned the corner, or is, there, is that sort of way off your difference? I think um, basically, I, I, sorry, Chris. I mean, I, I think we've got too many, too many seven out of ten. Perhaps the players we've had in the past have been they've been playing above themselves because they get what Wigan's about. And I'm sure you've got it at Brentford now. You've come up a division. Your players want to prove themselves, and they're playing above the above the natural level. Whereas I think we've we've bought players in who are quite established, and they're all doing a little bit and a little bit of passing and tackling here or there. But there's no leaders and there's no kind of fighters and Again, it might just take time to build. I don't know, but I mean, I'd be interested to see what what you think. You know, in terms of your performances so far this season, because I know you've had some good results, you've had some bad results, but I, I should imagine you've got a great team spirit because you've you've come up and got promoted and just added to your squad rather than having a complete overall every summer. That's exactly what happens at Wigan every year because you know we've overachieved. We sell our best players, we bring them in, we develop them, we sell them again, and. Uh, like Rosler's just brought an army of midfielders in who, who aren't really, none of them are pulling up trees. And, uh, 
he signed a few bob on a couple of forwards, a couple of million quid each, and neither of them are scoring. In fact, they've not even been playing. He's got a Marco Antoine from Fortuny, and so you know, compared to yourselves, we've had a lot of money to spend, and we've we, we've looked to spend it wisely on paper, but on the pitch, they, they just seem very disjointed. And I think if we get in our faces Saturday, then we will, we you know, we'll struggle. And and it's it's a good side that you've got Ivan Ramis who. To be honest, when he was playing within the Premier League, he could have played for any Premier League team. He was that good. He just struggled with injury. And, he, you know, same with, with Alcaraz. We've got, he is a top-class centre-half, Rams when fit, but he seems to be struggling more in the Championship. Matt, Matt, I mean, they talked about the, the Wigan team there um, and the Brentford team, the way that they've started this season. I mean, how, how do you think that we've done, you know, and, and how we're going to sort of kind of pitch ourselves when we go up to Wigan? I just, I mean, I, we've just carried on from where we were last year. I think there's some interesting points there about Rosler, which I guess we'll come on to in a minute. But, but one of the things I'm hearing is, you know, not playing the same side. I don't know whether you, you, you're trying different um, midfield shapes and stuff like that. But that sounds just like where we were this time last year or maybe a, a month or two further into the season under Rosler, where he didn't seem to know what his best side was. He didn't seem to know what his best shape was either we tried at least three or four different um you know um setups for the side i think we were 442 we tried the diamond we tried 433 we tried everything um but sorry but to answer your question so i'd be interested to see what the wigan supporters think about that in a minute but to answer your question i just think we just carried on from last year we've we've got this really settled system players just fit into it so you can, you know, there's, there's two things, isn't there? There's a settled side in terms of which players play, but there's also a settled system that all the players understand and they all play it. There's a few of the newer players, maybe Adebayo's not quite fitting into it at the moment. He sometimes looks a bit confused by where he should be playing out on the right um, of, of three, really. Um, but in general, we just carried on and we really haven't even missed four short, which, again, I'm sure we're going to discuss shortly. Sean's going to mention Martinez again, you know, I can tell you. You mentioned Wheeler. <laughs> I'm always going to mention Martinez. broken leg. <laughs> it's been five minutes without a mention of Martinez. I've got to get it in. <laughs> it's, it's got to be said, though, it's, it's interesting that the Brantford lads mention a, a settled style throughout the club, and that's something that, that we did, did have under Martinez. and. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you can count you can count on your hand the the amount of formation changes we had in his in his four year spell with us. Um, we started off arguably with a with a five um, with a five four four two, and then moved on to the infamous three four three later on. But it's with, with Rosler, it does seem as though he's trying to fit fit square pegs into round holes, and it's. It's a bit worrying that he has been he has been given this money yet we he doesn't seem to know the best the best way to utilise what he's got at his disposal yet. He's missing Mark Warburton, I think, is the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I I think there's um I think there may be you know, that Rosler Last season had these I you know, had these ideas at the beginning of the season and he tried this, he tried that, he tried this, he tried that. Virtually kind of what he settled on is virtually what we're doing now. Um, and maybe that, you know, some of that came from Warburton. I think, you know, we, we, we mentioned before, I think I think we all 
all of us here really like Rosler. You know, I, I don't know if you've all met him, but I've met him. He's a he's a he's a top man, um, and I've all you know there'll always be a special place for him in our in our transition from turning into sort of lower league strugglers into where we are now into a championship club who who are, are worthy of their place. Um, but for the for, there are common themes here. You're right. You know, he refused to play a settled team. Um, that was said a thousand times. Um, he didn't know what his best team was. It's been said a thousand times, and it, 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 it's either he's not learning from his mistakes, or he overthinks the situation. Um, I know he's a he's a deep football thinker. He's a very knowledgeable person. If he fails, it won't be because he's naive. It will be because he's trying mm-hmm. too hard to succeed. Um, and sometimes you just need to just go with a settled team and just and go with the flow. And, you know, again, we will probably come onto these things in a little bit, but I, I think Brentford are better without him now because, you know, we we had the player, we had, we had sort of the benefactor, Benham, who was fi- financing the players. We had um, Warburton, who was finding the players. And then we had the, the weak link in, in, in that was Rosler, who wasn't picking the right team. Um, and you know whether we would have gone up or not automatically last season, we'll we'll never know. But I think you know we don't regret him going when he did, and we obviously wish him well, and we hope he does turn it around and win him because I think he does deserve success. I think he I think he's a yeah. good man, and I think he I think he he should have a future in the game. I hate to think he fails now, and he's he's on the he's on the scrap heap looking for looking for a job at Blackpool or whatever. But uh, you know, um, it, it, let's hope he turns it around. I mean, I don't, I don't 100% agree. I mean, I see, I know what you're saying about when you said he was the weak link in that it wasn't choosing the right team. I think we had a scenario where, as we talk about, a lot of the time he was, uh, as we say, risk averse. So what he did is he used to do the safe things. Rosler always used to do the safe things. So what happens is that he had a scenario which is very similar, as Matt said, this time last year where. We'd lost on penalties to Doncaster. We're crying. We're really upset. We go to Wembley. We get whooped by Yeovil. We're like, oh, no, we've got to start again. So we come back at the beginning of the season. But the amazing thing is that everyone was really positive. They were just like, listen, let's put it behind us. And everyone was really up for it, really positive. The roster was positive, the whole thing. So we've come back, beginning of the season, and then we've gone out to the beginning of the season and We've had a so-so start. We went to Port Vale. We drew it up at Port Vale, but we scored a fantastic goal. So we were all happy. Lovely day out. Then Sheffield United came down, and they're obviously the big side, the big side in Division 1. And we absolutely whooped their ass. And we thought, look at us. We're absolutely fantastic. This is just brilliant. But then after that, it just kind of tailed off. And we struggled to beat Carlisle. We didn't beat them. It was nil all. It was terrible. You know, I think we beat Walsall. We struggled. We kept on struggling. We lost against Rotherham. And then we lost another, and then eventually, you know, we we and then we lost to Orient at home, which was a real poke in the eye as well, like you know, because they came down there and they absolutely whooped us, and we were just like going, this ain't, this isn't going too good, you know, um, and at the same time, the team was going to be chopped around, and, and the the one that really got the fans goat was, we went to Derby in the League Cup. And the previous game, we were going to play Carlisle the next game. So the previous game, I can't remember what the score was. We probably drew, um, or we probably beat Walsall. Then we went to Derby in the League Cup, and he completely changed the side. And it was basically youth team players. It's like the thing that Man United did years ago when they had no respect for the cup. 
So mm. a load of Brentford fans went up to Derby and they bashed us up 5-0 and everyone was really unhappy with that and he was like, I need to rotate my side, I need to rotate my side, I need to do it. Then the following week, we played Carlisle, I think it was, we couldn't even beat them anyway. We looked even more tired than, 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 than if the players were playing. So it's kind of like that kind of went against him. So there was kind of some sort of kind of rumblings around the time. But, you know, what happened is that eventually we played Stevenage. And, like, Stevenage are like, you know, to lose to Stevenage is just like just the worst thing ever because they're just terrible. We lost to Stevenage and Uwe had a lock in the dressing room. He had a lock in. So he locked the players in for 90 minutes. And everyone was like, what's going on there? And apparently it was the old fingers pointing, he's done that, you've done that, you change the side, you know, he, he's exposing us. So literally they just bared all in that 90 minutes. Um, when they came out, I mean, they didn't reveal because they weren't, it was, it was all hush-hush, you know. But, you know, you find out a few little rumours here or there. The following week was interesting. We played Colchester and he took out the ever-present right-back that we had, Logan, who, who was a fan's favourite. And he took it and he put McCormick to right back. And everyone was like, oh, that's quite an interesting move. Um, and then he put the team, you know, he put the team on the side. And uh, we were losing 1-0 to Colchester. And that's when there were cries of sacked in the morning from a, a certain contingent of the crowd. Not loads of people, but just a certain contingent, which he got upset about. He brought in this kid, Kadeem Harris. He turned the game around. And next minute, we won 3-1. And after that, he never lost a game. He won every single game except for one game which he drew at Wolves. And then you poached him. <laughs> I'm not surprised if you hear the you're getting sacked in the morning song on, uh, on Saturday. <laughs> Somewhat ironically, I think he took Forshaw off, didn't he? I think you're right, you know. So what I'm saying is that after, the, after the, that dressing room shut in, he actually decided to change the team. Then after that, he didn't rotate the side, and he kept the same side pretty much for every single game till he, till he left to go to you. So what I'm saying is that he got to the stage where he actually did pick the team, and he did pick the right team, he did pick the same team, and it actually worked for him. Like, you know, so there are times when he's got it right, and there's also times, and I've you know, tipped my hat to him, where we've been struggling in the first half, and then he just does a move where he makes a substitution, and it, it just turns it around. And he's, you've got to say that. He's done that so many times. And we just sort of said, you know, we thought tactically he's got it right or he's just the luckiest person in the world. But he, he has done that quite a few times, which is, which is fair play to him. It's interesting that, you know, for, I hear what everyone's saying, you know, about all the... and Because we, we've seen it ourselves about the rotation and the inconsistency and the, the mood changing formation and all that. But it still begs the question of why he was so good last year. Because we were terrible under Owen Coyle and then... He gave him an immediate lift, so I can only think Owen Coyle was such a bad manager that, that the players just wanted to play for somebody. And then now he's actually coming in the summer, and we thought, great, this is going to get better. And it's actually got terribly worse. So I suppose it remains to be seen if we just follow future paths, whether he was just lucky or whether he's going to repeat that. I mean, obviously, we hope he repeats that, and we, we believe that because, you know, if, if Rosler went, who would come in? I can't really. Some of our more delusional fans start going on about Tony Poulis and things like that, but. You know, he's linked with everyone like Bolton. It's just, you've got to stick with a manager and give him a chance. It, it is worrying what you say about it being more his, his backroom team than, than Rosler, who's actually, you know, been the, the, the pivotal cause behind a lot of your recent trajectory. But, uh, you, you know, and I think we, we do take heed to that. We don't write it off as, as bitterness because, you you know, you just backed it up with a lot of facts, really. And uh, you can be telling it from the first person. But, uh, 
we, we just don't know really because we, we've had a really good run under him and now we're having a really bad run and it's like where next does he stop the rot and turn it around climb the table or have we got a really fundamental problem that's not going to be fixed because you know we, we hear all this he's lost the dressing room type nonsense which is probably just internet mischief making but uh yeah we i certainly i think us three from wigan we all hope he succeeds and we just want him back to doing what he was last year uh but it, it, there's a lot to complain about, to be honest. The interesting thing for me, Jimmy, will be on Saturday as to how the crowd is with him early on in the game. Because we played Forest, and yeah, we all drew 0 <laughs> 0, but up until then, there'd been talk of him going and fans wanting him out and this, that, and the other, and he's not up to it. Well, that Forest game on that Tuesday night, we put up a really good show of ourselves against one of the farm teams in the league, and the crowd was really behind them. But if we go a goal behind early on on Saturday, I think they'll turn again. I think a lot of them will turn on him again. See, it's, it, last season when when Rosler took over, it was kind of a case of anybody but Owen Coyle because the the kind of animosity between Wigan and Bolton when we'd just won the FA Cup and we'd replaced Roberto Martinez, who was seen as this shining light of football, and despite taking us down, uh, we were on the back of the FA Cup when we was going into Europe, and then we appoint... An idiot, basically, who'd taken Bolton down and who was he, who was derided by our supporters base, and then you could see that through the next few months in how we played. When Rosler took over, it was it was blessed relief for a lot of Wiganers because it was anybody but Coyle, and the fact that he did so well in that first first season, um, we went on a run where we won nine games in a row. Where I think I'm right in saying, and we 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 were unbeaten for 10 games and we were playing some fantastic football in that. We we went to Forest who were flying high, beat them 4-1. We went to Brighton again who were flying high in the playoffs, beat them 2-1. We uh, went to Ipswich away, beat them 3-1. So they were excellent results and who could forget get, getting back to Wembley again in the FA Cup semi-final and taking Arsenal to within eight minutes of um, getting to a second consecutive final. So there's probably a lot of a lot of our issues this year are trying to uh, come about because we're trying to live up to what he achieved last year. But that that doesn't make up for the reason why we've been playing so poorly. As Chris alluded to, we have lost a couple of players. But does it mean does it mean that we should be seeing the kind of performances we have been? I'm not too sure. I mean, again, with us. We had some absolutely brilliant performances. You know, when we played Chelsea, we were fantastic that day, and we should have beaten them. You know, we've had f- fantastic performances against them, and I'd say as well with yourselves. You know, last season, you know, it wasn't that bad a season. You know, like I said, you got to an FA Cup semi-final, you got to a play-up semi-final. Myself and Laney actually went to QPR. We were actually stuck in the Wigan end at QPR, and we were actually hoping and egging you boys on because we wanted to play QPR next season. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't to be. Um, it was interesting because we, we that was our sort of first real look at, hmm, this is what we might be experiencing next season, the type of football, the type of players. We noticed, you know, slight difference in the game, the fitness, the speed, certain players who could, you know, who could, you know, I'd say finish and do certain things that just doesn't happen in the first division. But I thought Wigan were a bit disappointing that day, and it's almost like they've run out of steam and run out of ideas. And again, talking to a couple of my Wigan pals that I've been speaking to as well, 
they were a little bit disappointed with the approach that you had in that game, which they thought was different than it, what it was earlier in the season, where they thought you tried to go a bit direct, you tried, you know, you just tried mm-hmm. sort of things that which wasn't right and it was inverted commas a bit ugly. And I don't know if you just got to see the scenario where you kind of, I don't know, run out of ideas, run out of steam, and it's just carried over into this season. Well, Uwe has said that the the, the side is still still suffering a hangover from last year. And I think I'm right in saying that we played 62 games last year, which is more than 63, which is, is that more than any other club in England? I'm, if it isn't, it's, it's, quite it's pushing it close. Um because we had the um, the all the Europa League games, the FA Cup run that nobody was expecting, then the playoffs, of course. The, there was, I think, immediately after um, the cup semi final, we played Reading at home and won three 0 and everybody thought, well, there's no cup hangover here. We're going to carry on in the in the vein that we did, but we didn't win another game until we played Birmingham away, which was about a month later, which confirmed us into the playoffs and. Against QPR, you side that that was running out of steam. Um, so everybody kind of accepted that because how we played that many games that the, the players aren't superhuman. They're going to run out of steam at at some time or another that season. Um, then the expectation this season was that we'd come back all guns blazing. Of course, Uve makes such a big thing of um, of his fitness and the need for such a strong fitness base to play his brand of football. The first few weeks of the season, we looked we looked unfitter than we did under Owen Coyle, which is a, which is a sad indictment of whatever Uve did in pre-season because they looked a shadow of the side that they did last year. Talk, let's talk about Brentford's season a little bit here. I mean, take it a few positive results. We beat Leeds as well. And also we beat Brighton. Then on the flip side, we lost to Norwich and we lost to Borough. I think it's been nothing but positive, to be fair. Um, we, we, we play, we play um, in, in sort of unapolog- unapologetic attacking football. Um, we have been a little bit light at the back in some games, but then more recently we've looked more solid. Um, we need to score at least two to get a result out of the game because we're probably going to leave one at the back. Um, it's just been a, it's been a, it's been a breath of fresh air. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's just what we hoped it would be. It's, it's not been embarrassing. We're not getting tonked. We're not like Gibraltar that have been sort of dropped into a, you know, into a scenario where we're just completely ill-equipped for. We're, we're, we, we look like we're where we are on merit. Um, the players just fight and they battle apart from one game. I think we ought to forget Borough. I mean, that was just, that was just an off day. And, and even then, it was almost like, okay, we've 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 not performed. We've had an off day. Let's regroup. Let's go again. And you know what we've seen since then, even with the defeat at Watford, you know another game we should have probably got something out of. Um, it was an awful penalty decision. Um, uh, we've we've had we've had a few stinkers, and let's hope a few more decisions will go our way. Um, you know, we're just playing some good football, and we, we are going to score. Um, now and again, we're we're going to get turned over, and you know, that, that's just the way it is. There, we will come up. The calibre of opposition that we're, we're facing every week is is much better. But you know, we're 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 playing some fantastic stuff. Even against Norwich, three 0 defeat. That's probably that's probably the best display up to seventy minutes I've I've ever seen. 
Um, they, were, they were brilliant. I mean, I have to admit, and I'm not just we're not boasting. They were brilliant. The football they played was fantastic, wasn't it? It does seem really weird that you could say that a three 0 defeat is might arguably, you know, some of the best football you've ever seen. And that and that and that's that's how it is. You know, we, we'll we'll can we'll can keep trying to play good football the right way. Sometimes we overplay at the back, and it's been a bit of a gripe of mine where, you know, the goalkeeper David Button will he'll roll it out to the left back or the right back and it gets played to him then he'll look it through to the middle then it's played back and it's like you know that's really we'll, it's so difficult to score goals and you know it's tr- sometimes it looks like we're trying to give one away um, that seems to have changed a little bit in, in, in recent weeks and I think I think as a, as a unit at the back and you know um, it might be harsh to, 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 to single out Harley Dean but it, it, we look a stronger unit with him back on the bench. Um, um, so I think Warburton's learned by by. But again, he wasn't changing things. He, you know, um, Craig got sent off against Birmingham, and that that was an enforced change. So Dean came back in, and then he had a little run. So he's not he's not meddling too much. But there's, there's a few there's a few um, a few sort of uh, changes in midfield from game to game. Um, but I think it's either he tries to he tries to solidify things by putting um, the Agaraga in, or he tries to um, uh, open the game up by by playing Pritchard from the start. So um, and I think with Dallas has been injured recently. I think he would have had an extended run. Um, I think I think we just need a, a more prolific striker. But that's easier said than done because we haven't got twenty million. Tell you what we could have done though, we could have taken Grant Holt off of uh, Wigan actually. He probably would have knocked in a few goals <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> Matt, I mean, what players do you think Brentford players should, do you think the Wigan boys should be looking out for on Saturday who may cause a few problems? It's um you know, I think what the beauty and I think what Dave was saying is is you know, is right, is that is that we we just attack and they and we basically we've got four blokes playing at the back two of them attack sometimes and we've got a holding midfielder and then everybody else can be a star on their day because of partly because of the way we play and partly because of the players they are but we've really not got that many defensive players in the side which means as Dave said we're gonna we will lose every now and then because in the Norwich game we're one nil down but we go and chase the game and so we end up losing three nil but no big shakes because we're brilliant for 70 minutes um, so yeah, I think, you know, Odebarge is going to have a game soon where he's going to do it. I'll be interested who plays up front on Saturday. Um, I imagine it will be Gray, but they may, he may put CrossFits in. I think the only thing that will keep Gray on the side is the fact there's been a break. Um, so he may want to, you know, keep the same side. Um, so, and that's a controversial because big Nick Prosovich, I know that the staff are, they seem to be quite excited about him, but he's one of those players where the, the fans don't quite get him as yet, do they? We definitely don't get him. Um, he's a big guy. Um, he's not the quickest. Um, he, he's one of the, he's a, uh, you know, I kind of see him as a team player and you play a system and sometimes you play a centre forward and he's not necessarily the guy that's going to get your goals, but he's there to do a job, hold the ball up, be relatively strong. And then the other players will play off him. And that, I guess that's the sort of player he is. Gray's kind of the opposite to that. He's, one of these sort, he's like Ian Wright, isn't he? You know, he's got this turn of pace and he'll score goals for you, but he's not going to do the other bit up front on his own. So, so he's got those two options that he can go either way on Saturday. Um, 
I, I think if there hadn't been a break, he may have gone CrossFit, but I suspect he'll still stick with Gray. And then obviously we've got Pritchard, who's like I said, under 21s. Um, he's a very tricky midfielder. Um, and uh, Alan Judge, who played for one of your rivals, Blackburn, and we got him on uh, on loan from him last season. He scored the winning penalty, which sent us up. Uh, we signed him on a on a on a permanent this season, and he's actually flipped into the the middle now. So he's kind of like Forshaw's gone, Judge in the middle, and he's been an absolute godsend. He's just been absolutely brilliant this season. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs on Saturday. Um, he's one of these real. He's just overly excited, happy to be there. And he loves the shot. If you see him, he'll, sh he'll shoot from your back garden, right? And I'm saying into the pitch. He just loves shooting from anywhere. So, uh, so that'll be interesting to see. But, he's, um, he's been a revelation in that position because we panicked when Forshaw went, much like we panicked when Rosler went. Well, at least I did um, initially. But actually, it's given Judge this opportunity to play there. He covers the most... Um, I mean, you just can't believe how much ground he covers. And he just keeps popping up. And he picks loose balls up, he wins balls, he makes challenges, and he's all over the place. I mean, now, I mean, coming on to obviously, we're talking about Judge replacing Forshaw. So we've got the Forshaw. We're moving to the conversation about Adam Forshaw. Um, number four is Adam Forshaw. Number four is Adam Forshaw. It's the song that was sung on the terraces at Griffin Park. Uh, I'm not sure what number he is at Wigan. Um, if he's number four, we could take the song. You can have the song. I <laughs> <laughs> know what shirt he is, to be honest. He's only played a few bits and pieces. He played one game. It would have been number 12 back in the day, wouldn't it? But is that... yeah. That's right. But Adam Forshaw, obviously there's been a lot of banter and a bit of bad feeling about this transfer. Interesting to, to see... What, do you think that the Brentford posse, which is the management, the staff, the owner and the fans, have been a little bit over-precious about this uh, transfer situation with Adam Forshaw, who, as far as you could see, you put in a bid for him and he's come to you and that should be it. I, th I think, you know what, I think we, when we had this Swansea stuff with Martinez, it's very much similar as that. I mean, at the time, Wigan were six, seven years in the Premier League, Swansea were championship size, and their, their chairman was, what's his name, Hugh, whatever, Hugh, Hugh somebody or other, he's... Um, he, he was really sort of aggressive about it, and Swansea were very aggressive. And I think, I think what it boils down to is you're a club on the up, and you know when you're building something, you don't like to see it get dismantled, any particular part of it. And that that's my view of the way it is. And I think there are a lot of harsh things said about Wigan because I think, you know, if if you carry on on the up and you end up emulating what Wigan have done the last ten years, and I'm, I'm sure you'd be delighted. And uh, but I, I I do understand the reaction. I, I did struggle with some of the contents, but I think we all know what um, internet message boards descend to. Um, you know, I wasn't impressed with some of the, even some of the chairman's comments. I know you're very public and you, you have very open dialogue. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think Rosler said, Rosler's words were when we had a fans forum with him, he said he, he paid a similar amount to people like Ashley Westwood, Fabian Delph, I think, people like that. And there was somebody else who lead signed, I think. And, you know, he, he seemed to be saying he offered a comparative bid, two, three million now. He probably was playing a little bit of a game. I think a lot of the guys at Yorin were playing a bit of a game as well. So, you know, it's all it's all part of the, the, the hustle of um, quite a big transaction. But I understand why you felt very hard done to. And, again, we've not probably covered ourselves in glory with it because 
we're left with a player now who, from the glimpses we've seen, he can certainly, he will do a bit, you know, he will he will hopefully become a pivotal part, but from what we've seen so far, we're like what we signed him for, we need to sort our defence out and get a forward who scores goals, we've got about 15 other midfielders, so it's a risk for the lad himself to go from a club where he's adored to another club in the same division where he's he's back to square one and he's, he's warming the bench for a bit. I think one of the reasons why the club got a little bit upset is that it was not more than about a month after Uwe left. And like I said, we've got a lot of respect for Uwe and it kind of surprised us and I think surprised the club when he started to come back and basically pick up players or try to pick up players and staff from Brentford, even though apparently it was written to his contract that he can't do that. So obviously there was a, a bit of a clause which said, look, for a period of time you can't do this. But apparently he, you know, he did that and, and, and they used some sort of loophole saying actually, well, you know, they weren't really, you know, they were players on loan, so they weren't really Brentford players and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like using the loopholes and everyone's sort of going, well, you know, okay, maybe that might be fair enough, but, you know, you know, we've been good mates for the last three or four years, so technically should you really be doing this? So I think that started off the bad feeling in that sense, you know. Um, he came for a couple of players in the Christmas, I think he played for, he came for several on the Christmas break as well, um, a month after, uh, a month after he'd left. Um, there was, uh, also, let's not forget with, um, with Forshaw that, you know, it was Rosler that, that signed him. So Rosler knew that there was a big pay-on to Everton involved. And so he, he knew the score. So, you know, anything that he bid or anything that he bid on behalf of Wigan, he, he knew that we were going to have to give a chunk of it to someone else. So we were, especially when a player had two years left on his contract. So, you know, unless, unless the sums added up, we, we obviously weren't going to be interested in selling him um, because we would have to give a chunk of it to someone else. So, you know, that, that's football, I know. You know, we, 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 did, we, so, we signed Borshaw knowing that at, one, at some stage we would have to give a chunk of it away. But obviously, you know, it has to be a decent chunk for, for it to make sense for everyone. So that, that was the problem. I think, you know, it was, we considered it to be derisory because he was fully aware that there were other implications or other factors to take into consideration. I mean, the, 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 the funny thing is that by not putting a decent bid in, it meant Forshaw sat around doing nothing, probably wasn't particularly match fit by the time he did get to Wigan, um, and it didn't do anybody any favours because I guess Wigan, you know, paid what Brentford were going to take anyway, and it just, you know, elongated the process, which meant it didn't affect us because whether Forshaw would have been fit at the beginning of the season is debatable because it had a injury, um, so he possibly wouldn't have played in the first couple of games. He definitely didn't play in the first few games, and then he didn't play till recently up in Wigan. So, you know, it sort of backfired a bit in some respects. Yeah, and that's what we've seen up at Wigan. He's he's been in and out, and Rosler's made sort of hints that he needs to play games to get fit. But then we're struggling through games with him not fit, and he's he's not really played that much. Well, you can he can take the blame himself for that, Probably, can't he? Yeah. I've got I've got to say I watched the um, Ipswich game on on TV, and I, I thought he did look good. Um, uh, you know, I, I'd have him back on that performance, but you know, we we don't actually we don't actually miss him. Um, he he was replaced while while he was in limbo. Um, you know, we've got Pritchard, Judge, and Jota. Um, you know, I, I haven't got a bad word to say about Forshaw. He was absolutely fantastic for Brentford. Um, again, wish wishing well. Um, 
you know, I'm glad he came to us. I'm glad we're in a situation where we were able to get him. And that just underpins what we're about as a club. You know, we will take people on in on loan, but with a view to signing them long term. Um, and him himself and, and, and Jake Bidwell and you know, there's, there's a list of them. Um, you know, we, 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 we've been slagged off for, for abusing the transfer market, but we don't abuse it. We, we actually, we're thinking long-term, even if we're bringing people in on loan. And for sure, you know, we, 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 we always let people, you know, we, you know, Brentford, Wigan, Reading, you know, the, the, the teams that have had really bad years too. Um, and sometimes players are technically too good to be with you or too good for the division you're in, and you, you let them go with your blessing because, you know, they deserve to be playing at a high level. Dean Oldsworth, Andy Simpson, Terry Hurlock, Chris Kamara, to name just a few from back in the day. Um, um, but sometimes you think, mm, you're making a bit of an odd decision. And I, and I think maybe Adam Corshaw was one that falls into the strange decision. So, you know, we, we don't, we, there's nothing, there's nothing, um, we're not, there's, there's no revenge as such about Saturday. You know, I think we've let Rosler go and we've let Forshaw go with a with a good heart and we wish you well. You know, you've made that decision. You want to be there. You know, and arguably we're stronger for both of them. Even. You know, that's, that's the way it is in, in my head. I mean, we were talking at the, the close season. I remember um, we were at a game and uh, Forshaw was actually um, sitting down there watching when we played Barnet. Barnet, yeah. And we, were, and we played, we played really well. I can't remember, we beat him 7 or 8 nil, something like that. And then the question was, all the fans started saying, tell you something, where's Forshaw going to go when he, when he gets, comes out and he's not injured? Who's going to stop out, drop out the side? And it was, it was like a big sort of pub conversation for us because it's almost like he's, he's the first name on the team sheet, but then all of a sudden you had a sort of kind of like almost like a Lampard-Gerrard type situation where you've got these great players, too many great players, probably almost like what you've got. You've got all these midfielders, and you're thinking, oh no, I don't quite know who to play because they're all sort of quite good, but you know. Um, and we, we we did have that predicament, and that predicament's now been removed because he's been transferred. We got a bit of cash, uh, and we got a sell-on clause, and we've got some great players in its place. And we actually almost feel, you know, a bit more comfortable because of it. Because um, Jonathan Douglas, who you probably do know, used to play for Leeds. Um, he was down at Swindon. He's been playing out of his skin since Forshaw's left. Jota's come in. He's from Spain. He's, um, they started off, um, he looked really good, but he struggled with the, the English game because he just can't believe how fast it is, just bang, bang, bang. But slowly he's getting into the game. And like I said, Pritchard has just been absolutely brilliant. So as we say, for sure, and we keep going on about it, absolutely brilliant player. But I think it's one of these first examples when you've got a brilliant player and you realise that, probably very much like you Wigan boys, that everybody's expendable and you know sometimes people go and you just have to go, you take the money, you move on and you build on from there and you move forward. We've had that umpteen times in the past where players have moved on and we've you know we've generally rebuilt and that kind of thing. So it's just something that it's part of part of attrition I think and we've always been a club that develops players and, and we were hoping that was coming back under Rosler as it was with Martinez because Coyle signed a lot of thirty somethings to kind of to do a job in theory to get us back up. But uh, it's just interesting your comments, not just about Forshaw, but about your team in general. And uh, I mean, um, you, you all seem very confident. And uh, I think we want, we don't want to hear that you're good. We want to hear that you're actually quite rubbish because that's what we need to uh, somehow kickstart our season again. The games we have won, we beat Blackpool with the eight players, and we beat we absolutely trounced Birmingham. That was uh, you know it was four nil, and we thought here we go, you know, and that's um, that's the standard we expect. And uh, 
but he, we had, I think we had an international break then and he chopped and changed the team and we've we've been awful ever since. I think maybe not the first or second game after that, we went to Huddersfield on Tuesday night and uh, that was the game where if you're going to do anything a season, you go to places like that and win, you just poach, you just sneak a one niller because Huddersfield were awful. I mean, they have improved, I think, a little bit since under Chris Powell, but it was nil-nil, it was a terrible game. I thought, this is it, like, this is where you cut your teeth, this is where we come away with a sneaky one-nil and we'll start to climb the table. But I just I just think we've had too many. I think that was the problem last season. We had a few games where we lost very bad away reversals, but we kept the home form together. But now the home form's fallen to bits and you obviously all saw the Ipswich game and I, I was mightily impressed with them. It could have been a lot more than 2 nil. And I'm like, come on, what's going on here? Because the, you know, the the well-quoted stat was McCarthy had spent ten grand on his entire team, and because we've come down from the Premier League, we've probably still got players on ten grand a week. And you, you know, it's just like you, you've got guys who are on the up, and they probably they probably have a pay rise, and they're grateful for it, and 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 they want to prove themselves. Whereas whereas ours, we've got players on still on big wages that some of them don't fancy it in the Championship, maybe, and. Uh, you know, Ipswich just seemed he's built a side of a shoestring and the proper came at us and we had no real response to it. And uh, that's the one that worried me. I mean, they do look quite decent this year, Ipswich. I'd hope they would stay in the playoffs. And similarly, we lost at Charlton and they're another side who were down at the bottom last year, but they seem to have turned it around a bit. So I start doing these little equations. Well, maybe we've just come up against the good teams. But the fact of the matter is we've only beaten the teams who were likely to be down there, like Birmingham, Blackpool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's interesting to say you say you know you're hoping to hear that we're not very good. The fact is that we we're, we're quite proud and probably not surprised, but we're yeah we're proud of the way that we play our football and it is exciting and it's been very exciting this season. But the one thing that we do say and we put our hand up, we say that we play this brilliant, exciting football, end-to-end stuff, but we can still lose because the way that we play our football is almost like the way that Mark Warburton, who was a City trader before, probably did his trading, where he'll say, out of ten trades, if we win seven and lose three, then I'm going to be ahead in the game. You know. So what we do is that we go out, we says, let's play this game of football, let's go out there, let's just, just do what we do, and we go out there, and like I said, like Norwich, we were brilliant, but boom, 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 Norwich just soaked it up, and then after 70 minutes, they just flipped it, changed it, and then just bashed us up. So it's one of those ones where... There is always hope because um, yeah. we, we just, you know, we just may not, we just may not deliver. If if I think our biggest, um, probably our biggest danger is chasing games, um, and we'll lose. You know, we'll go one nil down and then we'll chase it. We'll be two nil down and we'll chase it more and we'll get thumped every now and then. I don't think it'll be Saturday, but but um, that is definitely the way. You know, that's the way we play. <laughs> Just, I'm just interested. One quick tactical thing. Does Rosler still bring all his players back for corners, like all of them, and not hold anyone up? <laughs> oh, you missed it, mate. Yeah. I'll let one of the others answer that. I'm not, I can't really be... He doesn't leave many players up front. He only starts in one form. So, yeah. I, the, the reason I say that is you can, you can... The difference between Warburton and Rosler is, is that Rosler brought all his players back for corners because he said... Something like um, statistically, Brentford have never scored a goal on the counter attack from a corner um, while he was manager the first season or something like that. So he just said, "I'm going to bring them all back to defend." And Warburton said, "Warburton holds two, sometimes three up for corners, and that's probably you know in a lot of respects that sums the two of them up." And he, and and Warburton said, "I don't understand why you would have eleven players back because yeah. 
if you do that, all you're going to do when you clear the ball, it's going to end up coming back to you, and you end up with a, a disorganised defence, like you know what I'm saying, and you keep on making mistakes. So it's interesting, like there's a, a difference in in theory between the two managers when they left, because it was a really massive bugbear for the fans with the eleven players back for the corner, you know, eleven players back for the corner. It really was like every week we're like, here we go again. Bill, I think you're right. You know, the, the analogy between his ethos as a trader and his ethos as a, as a manager is is fascinating for me. You know, it, it's unique, um, and I, I just I'm just so glad he's with us. Without without trying to sound sound make that sound like a suck up quote, but you know, this partnership between Benham and Warburton is just so brilliant for our football club. Um, all the time they're together, I don't think I don't think there is. Um, I think anything is kind of possible, and I, you know, and I've wrote, I wrote it in the last fanzine, and I've put it in the 125 year book. I really believe that we're witnessing this second renaissance to Brentford. This what we witnessed from 26 to the war under under Harry Curtis. We're we're, we're seeing again, and I, and I think we could. You know, we can go to the top flight, especially with a new stadium. And I, and I think it's refreshing. I think a lot of clubs are looking at us, going, "Blimey, you know, this is something. This is something very, very unique that's happening at Brentford. And, and, and how, how can we copy this? And I, I don't think anyone can because Warburton doesn't seem to want to, or what doesn't want or need to go anywhere else. If West Brom tried to poach him a couple of years back or 18 months ago, and he, he, you know, he, he, he's there for the Brentford adventure. It would seem. Um, so you know, again, in, you know, the, the word revenge about Saturday was mentioned, but I, I don't think I don't think we're looking at this as as anything apart from kind of reminding certain individuals that leaving probably may not have been a great decision for them. Um, and I, I think we are a stronger club for both Forshaw and Rosler for moving on. Um, that's not saying I want either of them to fail. But I think it's actually worked out to our advantage. And, Saturday, I don't know what's going to happen Saturday. Um, I mean, you know, I don't think I don't think Brentford fans are complacent or we we kind of expect anything this season apart from hopefully to stay up. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. And even if we were to lose, it wouldn't be the end of the world, and we'll win the next three. Uh, it has caught the Brentford fans' uh, imaginations this game because from what I can gather, we've sold about a thousand tickets so far. So we're going to probably build about 12, 50 fans up for the game, which is probably, you know, it's not a bad for, you know, it's a fair trip up to Wigan. I want to win, and I know we all want to win. We all want to win all these matches, but there's one of those things there where I really want to win on Saturday. You know, a draw would be cool, but I really want to win on Saturday just because forget about the kind of Rosler, Forshaw, Malarkey, it also may set us up to see, you know, where exactly do we stand? Because every time we play a game, we sit down and we think, you know, we played Leeds. Ooh, that's interesting. And it sort of gives us a barometer as to where we stand. Because when we came into this league, we were pretty happy to finish 20th, I think it was, 19th or 20th. Just above the, the, the relegation zone and stay in there and do the old build from whatever. But now we've seen quite a few teams which we feel are not as good as us, you know, to be to be honest. And we think, cool, we might finish higher than 20th. We might actually finish 18th or 17th. So this will be like a real barometer as to where we stand. And that's why, you know, as an away game, I'd really love to go up there and just have a good day out, have a few drinks beforehand, have a good drinks with you lads or whatever like that before we see the game and win and go home and have some more drinks on the train on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listening to you guys is quite interesting because it, it reminds it reminds me of when when we got into Division One as it was then, or the the Championship as it later became, because we had the same the same the same fault the same sort of ethos that it it was a dream we were on. Paul Jewell took us up, and uh, that partnership that you spoke about was Paul Jewell and Dave Whelan for us, and we carried that on and look at the look at the ten years that we've had since and it's it's quite sad in a way and this is, has nothing to do with Rosler but this season probably feels more than last year that it's the end of that dream for us. We even last year didn't feel like we'd got relegated because we went into Europe and we went to places that we'd never imagined that we'd get to. We played in a tournament we never imagined we'd played in and we passed in the glow of an FA Cup win for 12 months and we got back to Wembley again in a, in another FA Cup semi-final but this year I, and it's probably part of the hangover that, that Uwe speaks about um, there's there's a general feeling around the club despite what we might have said pre-season about being confident about being positive that it feels like the end in a way for us not, not the end of the club of course but the end of this um this last decade for us, which has been absolutely astounding and something that even a, even a scriptwriter couldn't have written, because we've gone to places and achieved things that we we never thought were possible. And we're a similar sized club to Brentford, and if you manage to achieve what what we achieved, you'll have one hell of a journey. Sorry, because I, I was just thinking exactly the same before you start speaking. It's like there's something wonderful about little clubs, which we were then and we still are, going playing big clubs and actually turning them over. And the example Leeds, when we went there on a Sunday and we took thousands, it's like it's little Wigan and we go into Leeds. And we, yeah. West Ham were always our rivals as well. And we, we went there and we beat them 3 1. And it's just like so many teams in it. It's wonderful when you've got that tight unit and, you know, all everything. All you, all you Brentford's allowed to say, and it's just like, it, it does sound like us, perhaps five, ten years ago. You say you had to dampen it by saying the journey's ended, but uh, I guess we're all at a different point on, on the curve of the development. <laughs> like I said, all, all allegiances and parties and outside, it's, what you're doing is, is nice to see. I mean, you have got a benefactor, but I think you need a benefactor now. You know, we can't deny that with Whelan. Uh, mm. It's just to see how far you go, really, and... Uh, I just hope it's not at our expense, which it quite possibly could be. That's right. So, lads, we're going to wrap this up now, and we're just going to look forward just quickly to the weekend's game to see what your thoughts are. Give us a little bit of a score prediction, and do you think really that Wigan are going to come out of this and they're going to move themselves forwards? I mean, Laney, you're going to start with yourself. Laney, what do you reckon about the weekend? Um, I'm going to go for 2-1 win for Brentford. Okay, that's cool. I'll, I'll take that now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I'd be, uh, happy, I'd be happy with a one-one draw? Okay, Listen, the Mad Hatter, the Mad Hatter. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as as we get close to the game, I, I do get more confident because we get up for it. But I've been dreading it, and I think you, you've got to do a proper job on us. Unfortunately, you give know, us, I think, give, give us a prediction. I'll say a draw. I can't, I can't predict defeat, so I think one-one draw. Matt. We don't keep we don't keep many clean sheets, but um, I'm going to say we're going to keep a clean sheet. We're going to win two 0 Done, Sean. What are you saying there, mate? Uh, 
I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Ultra positive show, no way. <laughs> exactly. And for me... Happy clap for me. Mr Billy the Bee, I'm going to go for... I think we are going to win 3-1 up at Wigan, which is going to be an absolute storm. Exciting match, end-to-end stuff. We're going to be shouting from the terraces. Everyone's going to be going completely mad. Oh, yes. <laughs> so listen, lads... Payback for 85, this is what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We didn't even mention the Freight Rover trophy. We're going to have to mention it now. That is the beginning of all our grief and nightmares because we've lost every single final since you beat us with Paul Jewell. I think Paul Jewell was playing in that game. Paul Jewell. Yeah. Yeah. David Lowe. Yeah. yeah, they were playing in that. And, uh, I, I was there at Wembley when we were crying at the end of it. We didn't realise that we've lost... Another six finals since then, I think it is. We've never won one. Thank you, Wigan. Cheers. <laughs> I, I was 13 in one of my first games. I'm not sure whether the other two were born or they weren't, they weren't very old if they were. I was three, me, Jimmy. Three. Oh, okay. I, 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 I weren't born then. Two years before me. Yeah. But listen, this has been the Besotted Podcast. Thanks very much to the boys from Mud Hutter up at Wigan. This is the Besotted Boys as well. We'll be going up to the game on Saturday. We'll be drinking locally and having a laugh and have a drink with us if we see you there. And we'll be back for our next one, which will be in a few weeks' time. But thanks very much, lads. And... Uh, uh, may the best team win and if that's uh, Wigan then let uh, Brentford win Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.